You're listening to Women of Color and Confidence, a show designed to support dynamic women in the desire to elevate their self-confidence. Hi, I'm your host, Amber Rose West. I'm a confidence coach and communication expert specializing in helping women understand the depths of creating and expressing authentic self-confidence. If you've ever found yourself saying, I want more confidence, but I just don't know how to get it, this is the show for you. On this show, you'll learn how to create a powerful inner landscape of positive self-talk and a motivational mindset, while also learning how to practice strongly developed communication skills and behavioral techniques to express yourself boldly with confidence that looks and feels good to you. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Women of Color and Confidence. I am your host, Amber Rose West, and we're going to jump right into it. Today, I wanted to talk to you about overcoming stereotypes so that you can begin to, and also continue to into the future, create authentic and soul-aligned self-confidence. So let's start by talking about stereotypes, because stereotypes are the plight of the Black woman. They follow us everywhere. Stereotypes that we aren't as intelligent as our white or male peers. Despite the fact that we are extremely creative and have proven our innovations, we have less seats at the table, aren't past the mic we're deserving, and have our ideas stolen out from under us. The angry black woman stereotype makes us feel like we as humans can't get angry or express, express our anger in healthy ways, or that we have to hide our anger so that we don't feed the stereotype. But Y'all, we get angry too. And why is our anger any less valid than the anger of the people around us? To sum it up pretty quickly here, stereotypes keep us from living an authentic experience. The stereotypes that have been created and endorsed by society often keep women of color from feeling safe to show up as their authentic selves. So when I come on here and I'm talking about, you know, creating authentic self-confidence, many women of color are hit hard with the reality that being ourselves gets us in trouble when we're around people who keep these stereotypes alive. The trouble that we continue to face is that stereotypes that follow women of color are almost always negative, and they're reasons that other people like to try to keep us quiet or removed from spaces of significance or importance. Being loud is intrusive. It's never seen as passionate. Being persistent is annoying. It's never seen as determined. Being colorful is unprofessional. It's never seen as creative. Being honest is, you know, just too much. It's never seen as something to be praised. So we create safe spaces with other women of color so that we can be passionate and determined and creative and praised in our own way, in a way that is really true to our experience. The problem with dealing with stereotypes while you're working on creating authentic self-confidence is that creating self-confidence that is very authentic to who you are as an individual requires that you spend more time with who you truly are what you truly want to be doing in the world every day, and what makes you genuinely happy. And stereotypes can make it challenging for you to do these things, especially when the world around you keeps trying to shove these stereotypes down your throat. It's with this understanding I want to help you bypass the stereotypes you may experience and show you the first couple steps of creating authentic self-confidence that makes you feel confident in who you are despite any of the stereotypes that may be haunting you right now, or the stereotypes that tend to haunt all of us in general. So this is kind of a strategy, I would say. It's the basis of the strategy of creating authentic self-confidence. And the reason that this strategy works is because it really focuses on you. I mentioned in a previous episode that the reason that those little tips and tricks that other people try to show you, like on Instagram or on Facebook, 
You know, or even when you hear women say, well, like, this is how I got confidence. So if you just do this or you do that, you'll have more confidence too. A lot of the times these things don't work in making individuals feel confident because your self-confidence is highly personalized to you. You really have to get honest and truthful with yourself about what you think and feel and how you feel more confidently when you think and feel that way. When you get to that point, when you understand who you truly are, what you want to do and what generally makes you happy, you build your confidence practices and your life habits around fulfilling those things for yourself. So you're not doing what other people are telling you to do. You're really answering those questions for yourself. So let's spend some time today talking about how you can achieve this knowledge about yourself and how you can begin implementing more activities in your life that support you with connecting more with you. (laughs) So the first one here, how to overcome stereotypes to create more authentic self-confidence is learning who you truly are. And I also want to pause for a second and say, knowing who you truly are right now and also who you want to be in the future. Because if you're here listening to this, you're probably doing some type of personal development that is around your self-confidence creation. And this is going to be about the confidence that you're creating right now or something that you want to be doing in the future, some sort of personality or career or anything that you want to have in the future. You can use this also. Okay. So a lot of the time when I ask people, who are you truly? They come back to me with a list of titles. I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a dentist, I'm a runner, you know, and these things are a good place to start, but they don't really answer the question of who you truly are. Their career titles or their family dynamics, they're very surface. So I'm going to ask you here to dig a little bit deeper into this. If I, you know, ask the question, who are you truly? And in your head, you started rattling off these labels. Dig a little bit deeper into this so that you can have a better understanding of who you are and who you want to be and what kind of confidence you need to develop to live a more full and fulfilled life in those places as that person. There's been a significant rise in people learning about and exploring their own personality traits and behaviors. So I grew up learning about Myers-Briggs. There's the 16 personalities. I think there's 16. Um, I am an ENFJ. And those really look at, you know, are you introverted? Are you extroverted? Do you spend more time in your head thinking? Or do you spend more time in your emotions? And it helps create this profile for you that helps you better understand how it is that you engage with certain people or environments. I know that human design is really popular right now. I'm not too familiar with human design. You know, I know there's the generators and the manifestors and I believe the projectors are in that. Not really too uh, knowledgeable about those ones, but I know it's really popular right now. So you may have seen it out there. I know that the Enneagram is out there. It has to do with numbers, also about personality traits and behaviors. And people are getting really excited to learn more about who they are on this different, deeper level. And all of these tools can help give you more insight. But I also just kind of want to remind you that while these external tools are really great and you can find a lot of them online and on social media, you also have a lot of tools just inside of yourself. And you can get a better insight to who you are by taking just a little bit of time to maybe sit, think about the questions, journal them out, write them down. I'm a big mind mapper. I love to make mind maps for everything. So when I think about questions like this, like who am I on a deeper level? Sometimes I just write it down and mind map it out. The trick is that you want to be honest with yourself here. Sometimes people in your life can put labels on you and describe you in ways that don't align with who you truly are or even like who you're trying to be right now or in your future. So if you have people in your life that are doing that, just feel free to kind of like drop those labels right now. And as you're doing this confidence work, dig a little bit deeper into yourself, asking yourself 
what those labels are rather than listening to what other people are pushing on you or pressuring you. So I wanted to give you a few examples of people that I've worked with in the past. And the first one that I have, I will always remember her because she was one of the first like people that I met that really, 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 really loved being at home all the time. So she, she would say things like, I'm such a homebody. I absolutely love being in my house. She wouldn't say that she was a hermit, but she would say things like, I really enjoy nesting. I love making a cozy home. And she would say one of the favorite things that she would experience when people would come to her home is that when they would say things like, it's so warm in here, or I love this house, it's so cozy. Um, And she used to feel bad when she would stay home or like that she really enjoyed staying home. And then she just came to the realization that she loved doing things at her house. You know, it wasn't like she was sad or she was just, you know, she loved decorating. So she loved going out and like finding a space in her house that she could curate and make look and feel a certain way. Instead of going out to restaurants every week, she loved cooking. So she would stay in. She'd cook at home. She'd learn new recipes. She loved to read and she had a little reading nook that she would hang out in. She loved things like gardening, you know, all the stuff that's at home. So she was like, I just love all the things that I have at home and I don't want to feel bad about it anymore. So working with this woman, I began to understand part of who she truly was deep down as someone who enjoyed calm. She just really liked being in calm spaces and she also liked having control of her surroundings. It stemmed from a couple of traumatic experiences that she had as a kid. So when life gets too hustly or bustly around her, she gets kind of uncomfortable and agitated. Um, If there's too many sounds or noises that are going on around her, she just really likes to be in a quiet, controlled space. If people are around her and it's like crowded or she's too loud, it just throws off her attitude and her energy. And she learned that about herself. So when it's calm or chill or not crowded, and I think honestly, her getting to curate her own space and own experience, she just felt more happy. And so once she learned how to get confidence around explaining that to people, one of the things that she had trouble with was, you know, I have, you know, friends, my partner has friends and we're supposed to go out and do things. And I don't always want to go. I do sometimes go. And I think that's part of, you know, having healthy relationships and healthy friendships uh, and having a healthy relationship is being there for your partner. But sometimes I just wanted to say, I just want to be at home this weekend. And is that OK? Once she got the confidence to communicate that about herself, she said that more of her days were filled with happiness. She felt good. And then on those times where she did go out, she had a much better experience when she was out and about and being social with people. So I want to give you another example of someone I've worked with that's literally the exact opposite of this woman. (laughs) This woman would say things like, I got ants in my pants. (laughs) She always wanted to be moving around. She would say, I never really liked being at home. And even like the idea of home, like I never wanted to live in the same place for a long period of time. I want to live in a lot of different cities and I like to change it up every couple of years. I want to experience different cultures and different people when I'm not like at home or have a a home. I love traveling. She did do a couple of big trips throughout the years, but she was always going somewhere, some kind of adventures in between. She would say things like, I love being out. I love exploring. I love meeting strangers. I just want to meet everyone. I want to hear their stories. I want to learn more about food and the cities and architecture. She just loved, loved, loved so much exploring the world around her. So as I was working with her, discovered that she was super sheltered growing up. She had parents that would try to instill fear in her when she would express that she wanted to explore the city or explore different cities or explore those. There was a sense of, you know, watch out for those people, watch out for those places. So 
She also had two very strong inner critics. The first was the conformist, and the second one was the guilt tripper. And she battled them pretty consistently. She didn't want to conform to what her parents were trying to keep her sheltered from. She wanted to rebel really hard, but that didn't stop her from feeling guilt from her parents when she started stepping out into the world and doing what she wanted to do. Her parents wanted to create a safe environment for her, which developed this guilt tripper and this conformist inner critic. And so when she started stepping out into the world, she really was like, I'm going to do and create the world that I want to have and create for myself. So her inner critics didn't stop her from taking action, you know, leaving the house, traveling and meeting new people. But they did keep her from feeling happy and fulfilled about her decisions consistently. She would often feel bad because she wasn't living in this image that her parents was giving her. When she came to me, she was like, I just want to feel more confident in my decisions. Like, I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm doing it. Going out and being in that space makes me happy. But then when I get back to my parents, I just feel bad and then feel guilty. So how do I feel less of that? Or how do I communicate confidently to my parents that, hey, I appreciate you were trying to keep me safe. But I also want to like tell you stories about my adventures and the people I meet. And so the confident communication again came back. So we learned how to work with her inner critics so that she could go back to her parents and have these conversations that I think as we get older and also as our parents get older, right, we don't want to have this rift in our relationship that our inner critics are fueling, that guilt is fueling, and that is missing like happiness and connection. So as she was able to better confidently communicate herself, that relationship got better for her. So I could also use myself as an example. I don't know if you have any desire to know me a little bit better as the as you're listening to this show. <laughs> but when people ask me who I truly am, I tend to move into talking about what I'm passionate about, the things that really bring me joy. And this is kind of one of those tips and tricks that I can give you that you can start using right away, right? When people ask you like, who you are, what do you do? Move into talking about what makes you happy or the things that you're passionate about. So yes, I could say I'm a confidence coach. I'm a podcast host. I'm a writer. I'm a cat mom. I'm a baker. I love to bake. But how do these truly express who you are, who I am? So I take it back a little bit and I think a little bit deeper into who I am and what I like to do. So who am I truly? So one of the first like personality type activities that I ever learned about was through the Zodiac when I was in high school. Right. And I think that that's where a lot of people start. Like, what day were you born and what is your sign? So I am a Gemini. I'm a true Gemini at heart. I wasn't sure if I like believed that I was a Gemini when I was growing up. But the older that I get, the more I can understand how the Gemini plays a role in my life, because I do have very two different sides to my personality. On one side, I'm a huge extrovert and I'm like, emphasis on the extra. <laughs> I love getting totally dolled up. I like to over accessorize. I love colors. Some of you have seen me wearing my big flowers. I love to go to parties and concerts and shows. I love to meet new people. I love to explore cities. I just love to be out and about. And I have a lot of world experiences of my own. And I feel like I have a lot of great stories. So I love to share those stories with other people and like hear their stories too, compare stories, like super connected with other people, really wanting to explore different types of relationships and connections with people. And then on the other hand, I can be really shy and quiet and nervous. There are some times where I am absolutely a complete hermit. 
I don't like making the first move to engage with people or start conversations. I can literally stay at home, sometimes in bed for days at a time, and I'm totally fine doing absolutely nothing with absolutely no one. So I really learned that I have these two very distinct and unique sides of who I am, and I do my best to like honor them both from time to time. Another little bit about me is uh, I'm a yogi and I've been studying the eight limbs of yoga for the past 15 years because I believe the study and the practices help keep me connected to my own spirit. It keeps me focused and paying attention to my thoughts, which I think is really important. Um, feeling happier in my physical body. And it truly does enhance how I show up in the world and interact with other people. And then <laughs> I really, really, really love swimming, especially in the ocean. And I know that people, there are women out there that like to joke like, oh, I'm going to go be a mermaid. But no, genuinely, I think I was one in a past life. All my friends make fun of me because we'll literally go to the beach. I drop all of my stuff and then I spend hours in the water. I come back out and they'll be like, you just swimming around? And I'm like, yep, yep. I absolutely love it, especially in the ocean. And I'm very creative. I love art. I love crafts, all kinds of crafts. My house is full of dozens of different kinds of crafts. And of course, all those half finished projects laying around. <laughs> all my art besties, you know exactly what that's like. <laughs> and I know that this is like this love for arts and crafts is genuinely a part of who I am. Because when I take too long away from making any kind of art, I get really moody and really crabby. And I used to have a partner who would think that it was like that I was I was hangry, like I wasn't eating. And then he always started asking me, like, when's the last time you made some art? And if it was over two weeks, he was like, oh, that's what it is. You're not hungry or hangry. <laughs> you just need to go make some art. It genuinely keeps my energy moving in a positive direction. So I know that I have to make time for it throughout my week or throughout my month so that that energy level stays up high and positive for me. And then lastly, I'm such a word nerd. I have so many books. And yes, I, I have the whole library in my house. And I do read through those books often. I'm not one of those people that just buys books and they say sitting around all the place. And, you know, as a confidence coach, I really love reading research and, you know, anything that has to do with behavioral studies. I'm like, teach me more about the human experience. Yes, please. Like, I love all that stuff. So do you kind of see the difference here? You're going to be doing this activity for yourself if you're truly looking to understand who you are. But I could have given you the labels, right? I could have been like, I'm a Gemini, I'm a yogi, I'm a swimmer, I'm an artist, I'm an avid reader. Those things are great as labels, but do they make you who you truly are? If you can't talk about your labels with any type of depth or emotion, that probably means that they're not true to who you truly are. If your labels seem forced or dispassionate, can you spend some time digging a little deeper to put those ones aside and figure out the ones that do feel good, that feel like they click, that when you think about that label, you do feel passion and happiness inside. You're like, yeah, this is me. This is who I am. Forget about the stereotypes or the labels that people try to put on you and make your own. Define yourself and really do it with the added bonus is bonus time. This process of defining who you truly are is going to help you as you continue your confidence work. So remember, your self-confidence is highly personalized. We want to be creating habits, environments, and support systems that inspire our confidence to thrive. And the better you know yourself, the easier that process becomes. So the second part of overcoming stereotypes to create authentic self-confidence is knowing what you truly want to do in the world. Many of the people I talk to, when they express experiences of being unfulfilled, it usually includes admitting that the things that they do throughout their day, every day, aren't things that they want to be doing or like to be doing. I've had many reports, especially in the entrepreneurial world, of women thinking they had to keep a job 
or stay in a career industry that they're in right now at an obligation to something or someone. You know, sometimes it is about the amount of money that you're making, right? I hear people say like, how am I going to make the same amount of money? Um, or they're already, they've already invested so much of their time into their career. They're like, you know, I'm already at this age, you know, I'm 50 years old. Is it really smart for me to like drop the career I've had my whole life and try to start doing something new at my age? And some of the times, even though people know they're unfulfilled in a position, they don't really know where they want to go next and they don't know how to figure out where they want to go next. So they just kind of like stay put where they are because they're like, well, I don't really know where to go. So I'm just going to stay right here. (laughs) So before we get into this point any further, I just want to say that I am going to be focusing on careers and jobs and work in this little section here because our jobs are where we spend so much of our time throughout the day. So the information that you're going to get, it can be applied with the understanding that like we're really talking about what you do every day. So whatever it is that you do throughout the daytime hours or your work hours, all of this can be applied. And if you find yourself during your daytime hour having, you know, the activities that you're doing or the job that you're doing or whatever it is that you spend that time that is dragging your energy or that you just don't feel really good in certain environments, all of this applies. Whatever you find yourself doing in the world that's leaving you unfulfilled throughout the day, it applies here, okay? So one of the stereotypes that is found here comes many times from the generation before us. The idea of like, you got a good job, don't mess it up, or you got a good job, what else are you going to find? You might as well just stay there. Well, this was programmed into us when the world looked a lot different. There weren't as many career opportunities because there wasn't the internet or social media. So people wanted to, to stay safe in their careers. And we just don't have the same career safety that we used to have. The internet and social media has absolutely changed the employment game. Before I get super, super deep into this, let me just include this little bit real quick. Making any kind of change in any respect is going to result in changes elsewhere in your life. You don't need to label these changes as good or bad. I mostly like to think of them as just different. Things are going to change when things change, and that's okay. We'll learn how to handle those changes as they come. So people that are saying, you have a good job, what else are you going to find? Don't mess this up. Their fear is in the change, that you may not get something as good or better because of the changes, but changes don't need to be scary. Again, we can learn how to handle the changes as they come and know that Fear of change doesn't need to keep you in a place that's unfulfilled when you come with the understanding that you could find something just as good. And more often than not, when you go into something that actually does make you happy and does make you fulfilled, you end up getting something better on the other side. One of my favorite quotes is, you know, people always say, what's the worst that can happen? And my way to reframe that is what's the best that could happen? If you decided to change your jobs or find a more fulfilling career, what's the best that could happen? And how can you follow that feeling versus being afraid of the changes? So let me go back here. If you're in a career that makes you absolutely miserable right now, like you hate waking up, you hate even just like the commute to work, you dislike the people that you work with or the clients that you serve, whatever it is that's keeping you unhappy and fulfilled, you have permission to try something different. You have permission to try something different and it's okay for you to want to try something different and it's okay for you to take action towards doing something different with the understanding that you're going to have to put some work into finding that difference and making sure that it actually is more fulfilling. 
And that, yes, changes breed changes. We don't need to be afraid of them, but we just have to know that they may exist. So you may be working different hours. You may earn a different salary. You may have to move to a different city. The factors will vary based on whatever decision you make and whatever changes it is that you make. Also, some decisions may take longer than others to make. We got to be patient with our changes, especially if you're talking about a job or career that you're wanting to be more fulfilled in. If you figure out what you truly want to do in the world and then you go look online and you find a job that's well matched, like, hey, freaking go for it. (laughs) Absolutely go for it. And just know that if you go into that one, it doesn't feel as great as you thought. You can make changes again. You may be able to give your two weeks notice right now and move into your new position right away. You may want to take some time and maybe save up for six months, really shop around the market for your perfect fit. Maybe start saving up money to start your own business. That's such a real possibility now with social media and the internet. For some, it may be an even longer journey that takes more planning ahead of time. I get it. Not everyone has the resources they may need to just up and move jobs immediately. My point here is that we live in a world that is so full of options. And sometimes we get really stuck in our own little bubble to the point where we can't see the options or the opportunities around us. So sometimes you just have to be willing to put in a little bit of the elbow grease to look around for them and take the time that you need to take to benefit you, to take action towards moving into a more fulfilling career. It doesn't really matter how you do it. If you're not doing what you truly want to be doing every day or you're doing work that drags your energy, completely drains you, you're unfulfilled, it makes it harder to establish other habits that support your desired level of health or positivity. It makes it much harder to work on your confidence or even to implement like self-care that feels good because you're completely unmotivated in your life. So I talked to this woman once who um, she ran a restaurant. And she just loved being in the food industry before. She, 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 she was talking to me about curating menus and building an atmosphere for people to come and like eat the food in. And she really loved feeding people. It was really good for her. And she was like really good at it too. And then she found herself over a period of time just miserable at work. Like going into her restaurant every day was something she used to really, really enjoy. And then over the years, she just didn't love it anymore. She didn't like it. All her days felt like sad days. Her energy, she was like, my energy used to be 100 when I walk in here. But when I walk in here now, I just drag on. And she couldn't get motivated to do any of like the hobbies or activities that used to light her up. She just felt so drained of energy and tired. And she was like, my days felt lame. (laughs) So then she decided that she was going to take one of her hobbies and turn it into a little side business, which is really popular right now. Um, And her little hobby was crocheting. She loved making baby blankets and like stuffed animals. And she was selling them to like friends and family. And she started selling them on the internet. And then she decided that she wanted to start making more money at it. So she like has a little shop that's like, not only does she sell her creations, but now she also sells yarn to other people that want to crochet. She sells tools like crocheting needles. And she also makes patterns and she sells those. So then she started matching the income that she was making in the restaurant in this little side business. And so she was like, forget it. I'm not going to go to the restaurant anymore if it makes me miserable. I'm just going to build this crocheting business online. And that's the crazy thing about the Internet right now. You can literally make a business. If you can't find one that you want to work at, you can make it yourself. And (laughs) I know that seems for some people so far fetched. I bet you my entrepreneurs are like, yep, that's how we all did it. 
But this is just one example of someone leaving a job they no longer enjoy to do something more fulfilling. And, you know, at the beginning, yeah, she wasn't making as much money. And, you know, for those of us who have started our businesses online, we know that rather than working 40 hours a week, nine to five, you tend to work a little bit more to build up your business. But then you get to a place where you can actually hire help. You can actually spend less time working on your business when you set up your system and stuff like that. So all I'm trying to say here is like, I read this story, the stories all over the internet. We live in a really different time where being obligated to a job or a career that's soul sucking is not necessary anymore. And if you didn't know, like now, you know, there's like so much opportunity for you to do something that really makes you happy in the world. Like you have permission to go out and find it and then trade up. And like I mentioned before, changes breed changes. So you have to be flexible with what the changes are. When you make these changes, when you decide that you want to leave something that's soul sucking and go into something more fulfilling, it doesn't have to mean anything negative about you. Okay. It just means that you're seeking joy and fulfillment and what you're trying to offer in the world. And speaking of joy and fulfillment, that brings me to my very last point. The third point in overcoming stereotypes so that you can create authentic self-confidence is knowing what makes you genuinely happy. One of the stereotypes that we are crushing here is the suffering martyr, the woman that needs to give everything to everyone else but herself. So this one can be a little bit tricky because it's a stereotype that, yes, other people have put on us in the past, but I also want to acknowledge that this suffering martyr stereotype is one that we put on ourselves. I've seen it a lot with women, especially older generations, where they feel like they don't have time to do the things that they want to do because they have to be there for the family. They have to be the only one cooking. They have to be the only one planning a party. They have to be the only one. I got it. I got it. I don't need help. This suffering martyr in sake of doing things that actually make them happy or genuinely bring good energy into the world, into their world. So in previous episodes, I've mentioned that younger generations are working hard to stop passing down the struggle to other people in their family or the generations that follow them. But there have been times where the passing on of the struggle or the suffering, the bypassing of one's personal wants and desires for the good of the family was just what we as women of color were expected to do. The biggest thing I want to share here is that, you know, you can still be a loving caregiver or a strong role in your family or community an absolute game changer to the support system of the people around you and still do things that fulfill you and your life and have genuine happiness. You don't have to do so much of the things that don't make you happy or create this sense of constant suffering or struggling. Like you can have both, you can be both. And when I say have both and be both, I mean, you can be a loving caregiver and a strong a strong leader in your family and your, and your community. And you can also do things that make you happy. Have both and be both. So when it comes to figuring out what truly makes you happy, I have some advice here. The first piece of advice is drop what you think should make you happy. It's okay to get honest with yourself here about what does and doesn't make you happy. Don't let other people or other influences, especially influences on social media, decide for you what brings you happiness. Don't let other people make you feel bad about the things that bring you joy when they don't understand it. I have this four minute exercise that I give my clients inside my confidence mastermind. And when people finally get to understanding what genuinely brings them happiness and they have that permission to like drop what other people have told them should bring them happiness, it is a huge game changer, especially when they learn how to incorporate more of those joy inducing things into their life. 
And that's because, okay, so happiness and self-confidence are so super linked together. If you have more happiness, you have more confidence. And then when you have authentic confidence, you have more genuine happiness. It's a very symbiotic relationship that you may be missing out on because you're following what other people are telling you will make you happy instead of listening to yourself. So listen to yourself. It's okay. What truly makes you happy is already inside of you. And I know that sounds so cheesy. (laughs) I'm like, look inside yourself. But (laughs) it is so true. You can't stop listening to the other people around you and genuinely tap into yourself. And those answers are really inside of you already. We just got to bring them out and then start building around them little by little. Once you build your happiness, your confidence will start boosting up also. So my second piece of advice is actually more something that I just want you to understand. It's not really like a piece of advice or something that you have to do, which is that the things that used to bring you happiness in the past may not bring you happiness right now or in the future. You are growing and evolving. So sometimes those things that used to make you happy don't make you happy as you grow or evolved. When you feel unfulfilled in your day to day, you may turn to those things that used to bring you happiness. And sometimes you may cling to those things that used to bring you happiness, assuming that just because they once brought you happiness, they will again. And I'm here to report, they may not. And you may be spinning your wheels trying to make them fit in, like to make them work. Like, why won't these things work? They used to make me so happy and they don't work anymore. And you're just spinning, spinning, and spinning, and spinning, and spinning, okay? It's okay if things that once brought you happiness no longer bring you happiness. It's okay. And this just means now you go get to explore. You get to try new things. So if you feel like you're in that place where the things that used to bring you happiness no longer bring you happiness, I have to ask you, what are some things that you may have been wanting to try that could spark new kinds of happiness into your life? Like if there's something that you have been thinking about or something that you like one time you were like, I kind of want to do that. And then maybe you told someone and they were like, that's dumb. Why would you want to do that? I want you to go back to whatever that thing is. And I want you to give yourself permission to just try it and see if it brings you some kind of happiness in your life. And listen, this gets to be fun. You can make this as fun as you want to. And this is my last piece of advice here. Have some freaking fun with it. Not everything needs to be so serious or like deep diving personal development or all of this is self-help for my soul. Like, (laughs) I make myself laugh. Because sometimes I get caught in that spiral too, where I'm like, I'm doing self-help, I'm doing personal development. And then I'm like, damn, I am not having any fun right now. So how can you bring the fun back into it? Sometimes the things that make us like genuinely happy are just like so fun and silly and they allow us to tap into our inner child. They're just these little things that we like bring into the house or little activities that we do that can be just so silly. And they don't have to have any type of particular outcome. You don't have to do something with like, this is what I'm going to get in the end, right? If it makes you happy, have more of it. If it makes you happy, spend more time doing it. It absolutely gets to be this simple when you allow it to be. So one of the examples that I have for myself is fresh flowers. Oh my gosh, I love fresh flowers. If you've ever gone like on a walk with me and you've seen me totally drool over flowers that are growing in a garden or If we walked into a grocery store and you've seen me beeline directly to the flowers and I just sniff all of them, I just love them so much. And, you know, I take myself on dates sometime when I'm feeling kind of low. I don't just go buy flowers. I'll actually go to like a flower shop or I'll go to a plant store and I will get all these different things and then make my own bouquets. They (laughs) Don't get me wrong. They never look good. (laughs) 
but just the activity of picking out flowers, picking out foliage, getting home, cutting up the stems, putting them in a vase, arranging them, like that process makes me happy. And the only outcome of it really is that I walk by that vase full of flowers in my house. It brings a smile to my face and it like brings a glowing energy into my house. That's it. And it's so simple and it's so easy. As long as your activities aren't bringing harm to anyone else, I say go for it. Just go for it. Do it. Have fun. If you're nervous about it, invite a friend. It gets to be as fun as you want to make it. And, you know, as I'm talking about this now, all of us are so you know, individualized, you know, your activities are gonna be personalized. I would really love to hear the new things that you try that you start incorporating into your life to spice up your happiness. So just know that you, you can always shoot me a message on Instagram and share with me what it is that you have tried to bring in and spark new happiness. I would love to hear what it is that you come up with and what it is that you share with the people around you. So just to wrap up our chat today, you can overcome stereotypes by spending more time doing things that help you know who you truly are, know what you truly want to do in the world, and what genuinely make you happy. So before I get out of here, I do want to leave you with just this little golden nugget. And this is going to be a little bit of tough love, but I'm going to share it with you anyway, because I think it's really important. And it was something that someone else told me, and it actually changed my life. And that is that no one benefits from you faking who you are or being miserable as you're living your life day to day. There's no reward or trophy or cookie for avoiding things that genuinely make you happy or for you spending time being a suffering martyr. At the end of the day, it's just wasted life and you deserve to be living a full and happy life. You can begin crushing those stereotypes and living more happy and more fulfilled like right now. You just have to decide what it is that you want to do, and then start taking little action towards doing it. And I hope that this episode helped you to start that process if you haven't already. Okay, my friends, that's all that I have to share with you today. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of Women of Color and Confidence. Hey, meet me back here in two weeks because you know what? I'm gonna have a brand new, fresh episode for you, okay? Bye. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Women of Color and Confidence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review so other listeners can find the show and we can continue bringing you more episodes you love. We really appreciate the support of listeners like you. I'll meet you back here in two weeks with a fresh new episode.